0: Most important lessons to learn in the Christian you can be seated. One of the most important lessons to learn in the Christian faith, and one of the sometimes the most difficult is to allow the to, to to have the mindset and the concept to allow Jesus to live through me. Yet not I, but Christ in me, and allowing God to live to live and work through us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. We've been looking at some of the blessings of being a Christian. They are manifold. They're more than we could set aside for year after year after year. The blessings of being a Christian. But we've been looking at specific ones. I have a list of a few that I'd like to point out over the successive weeks to come. And so uh, last week, I think we looked at companionship, the accompaniment of the Lord Jesus. He said it'd never leave us nor forsake us. Lo, I am with thee always, even to the end of the world. And in a wonderful comfort, in a wonderful treasure to know, blessing to know that Jesus is with his own. And we looked at other aspects of of the Christian life. And uh, today, confidence. We looked at confidence. And I know, uh, I can know some things about the Christian life. We looked at confidence the week before. But today, I want us to look at the blessing of comfort. The comfort that we have is believers in the Lord Jesus. And I want to take from my text 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. But I want us to note where he talks about the God of all comfort. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth with all the saints which are in Acacia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I want to speak to you this morning. Of course, Paul spoke about comfort several times in these verses 3 and 4. And I want us to take his thoughts around comfort and look at the blessings of comfort we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you this morning. God, I, I thank you for the opportunity to gather together. And as I was remiss in, in, in praying for earlier, there are so many that are sick and so many that have physical ailments and problems uh, that are, were mentioned this morning. Father, we pray that you would address every single one of those needs, not only of those that are here and those that are close to this church, but our surrounding families, people that we're concerned about. And so, God, we just pray that you would touch lives and you would comfort them and bring healing into their hearts and lives. But God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come right now and he would give us uh, spiritual minds to understand what the Word of God says. Help me, Lord Jesus, as I try to explain these verses and expound upon them and and show the, the treasures that are to be found in these words. Treasures of comfort in every season of life to those that know the Lord Jesus Christ in saving faith. God, we ask you to do this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen and amen. You can't say that the word, you can't say the word monopoly without thinking of the Parker Brothers' 1939 board game. Have you even played Monopoly before? Uh, Carrie's told us stories where at her house, when they played Monopoly, they came to blows nearly over that game, Monopoly. You know, the word monopoly actually. Is an economic term the word means this a market in which there are many buyers and only one seller it can also mean this to have an exclusive control on the possession of something well if there is anyone when it comes to real genuine lasting comfort that has a monopoly on comfort It is our God. He says so in this verse. He is the God of all comfort, all comfort, all lasting, all eternal blessed comfort comes from Him. Now to be sure, there are other comforts in this world. There is the comfort that a psychiatrist can give to the person sitting on their couch. There's a certain amount of comfort from that. A therapist there's a there's a certain amount of comfort in family in our own families themselves there's there is a certain comfort there and to be honest there is a sensual comfort of sexual immorality there is a a, a chemical comfort uh, from drugs a drug-filled needle there are say a sin sinful comforts that can be had but all of these comforts come for the family Comforts of psychological help and care. uh, Comforts of even even immorality. They are temporal and they are not lasting. They are here today and gone tomorrow. But these comforts are momentary at best. And they in the sinful realm will, will encounter the judgment of God in the end. But real, genuine, lasting comfort comes... From God alone, He is the God of all comfort. He has a monopoly on comfort, insomuch that His own Holy Spirit, the the third the let's the not third place but the third person of the Trinity is He Himself called the Comforter, the one that comes alongside to help. Now, you may look like this morning. You've got it all together. I mean you look great. You're in your Sunday best. You, you come to church. You look like you got it all together. Especially this row down here. They they, they, look, they look like they got it all together. And I know better though. <laughs> uh, we look like we got it all together, but the truth be known either now or in the days to come, there are going to be experiences in life that will cause us to crumble and to fold. It will cause us to break and become uh, sorrowful, remorseful, fearful. There's all kinds of things that we will encounter in the future. And without the comfort of God, we would be in a mess. But the blessing of being a child of God, of being one that is, has, has, has Jesus Christ and Lord, as Lord and Savior, is to have the blessing of knowing that the God of all comfort Our Heavenly Father will attend the cry of His children uh, to lift us up when we fall, to raise us up to new heights for the glory of God. And that's what I want to discuss this morning. This comfort of God. Every person in this room can know the blessing of God's comfort because of three provisions that I want to draw out of this text. You can know something about God's comfort by these three provisions, So the first one is this: there is God's comfort despite our sin. God's comfort despite our sin. Go back to our verse number three where the Apostle Paul. He's making introductory introductory remarks, and he, he gives this traditional blessing he does in many of his lessons, of his, of his uh, letters. Grace be unto you, that's number two, and peace from our. God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. and he said, Blessed be God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here. The Father of mercies. The Father of mercies. In the very beginning of God's comfort for each of us resides the mercy of God. I submit unto you that you will never know anything about the comfort of God without it first starting with the mercy of God. You remember what mercy is? Grace, grace is giving us that which we don't deserve. Mercy is the withholding of what we do deserve. I would dare say, I I would say it's the case for every single one of us, and I say so because of the teaching of God's Word, that from the moment of our infancy into this life unto this very present day, the only reason that we are in existence and not in a fiery, burning hell today is because of the mercy of God. Notice, first of all, that He is the supplier of mercy. When verse number 3 talks about the Father... Of mercy, we all, we all need the mercy of God, because we all stand in judgment of God. Romans 3:23 uh, tells us expressly that all have sinned and fall, come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us deserve every single one of us must have the mercy of God, because we've all sinned. We've all sinned against God. The starting point for any sinner to know the comfort of God is to call upon the mercy of God. Isn't that what we do when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? When we confess our sin? We come asking for His mercy. God, don't give me what I deserve. That's the first reality of of a lost person. The first reality is is they stand in judgment to God. There have been many times in which... I have either personally or I have even collectively over a, a group, or, uh, uh, maybe at the jail, maybe at the rescue mission, uh, been preaching about man's sin and man's, uh, the, the, the judgment of God upon sin and how that our sin one day will encounter the judgment of God. And then I have looked over different individuals and I have seen the light bulb go off in their mind to say I need God's mercy I don't want what he what he should give me I don't want the judgment of the law I don't want the 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 wrath of God I need God's mercy and so mercy is, is for It's the starting block. If you're here today and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you must start at that point. You need God's mercy. You need Him to withhold that which you rightfully deserve. And according to God's law, it is judgment, uh, the wrath of God, a burning hell, the judgment of God. You need God's mercy. You don't want what you deserve. And so that's the starting point. Every single one of us start with God's mercy the truth of the matter is that even when we have come to that realization we need the mercy of God we ask for the mercy of God and God gives us not only mercy He gives us grace, saving grace belief on the Lord Jesus He gives us, He adopts us into the family He makes us one of His own He redeems us He gives us His Holy Spirit even after that we still need God's mercy we still need God's mercy we live in our flesh we still got problems. I don't think there'd be any one of us in this room that would say that after they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they have never sinned, they have never faltered since then. If you did, I'd have to take you to the Bible and show you that if we say we are without sin, we're a liar and do not the truth. George John says that. No, even to little children that believe in the Lord Jesus, we still sin. And we still need God's mercy. Mercy for our, our not only our sin, but mercy for our times of coldness, our times of lukewarmness, our seasons of backsliding. God, we need God's mercy. Mercy for situations in life. There, there have been situations in life where I deserved God's judgment and found instead God's mercy. I should, have, I should have been chasing and chasing so many times, and yet He has shown me mercy and withheld and dealt gently with my heart. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been taken to the woodshed a time or two. I can testify to that. But not near as many times as I ought to have. He's been merciful. One preacher said it this, it said it this way, As a spark of fire to all the water of the sea, so no more is all the wickedness of man to the mercies and the mercifulness of God. Think about all the sin in the world. A flood tide by evenings. There was a poem. I wish I could remember that poem. But it talked about by, by evenings tide the world. It was corrupt with sin. And there is a God in heaven who daily has mercies Upon this world without which this world would be wiped clean. God is so merciful. He is the father of mercies. And then notice what he said. I want to not only do we have mercies in God, it shows mercies, but he's the father of mercies. Uh, to the Jew, the phrase the father uh, means the originator, the source. Remember when Jesus was talking about Satan in John 8:44, 44, He said that Satan is the father of lies. Remember that? Indicating that Satan is the originator of lies. He is the uh, progenitor. He's the starting point of lies. And isn't that true? All the way back to the Garden of Eden, He's a liar and the father of lies. In that same strain... The Apostle Paul gives the character of God in saying that He is the Father of mercies. The Father of mercies. God the Father here is designated the source. He is the fountainhead of all mercies. If there is any mercy to be had, its source is in God. He freely dispenses mercy because He is the originator of mercies. All mercies come from Him. When Bible commentators said all mercy flows from Him only and freely as streams from an outflowing, never failing fountain. He is the, the source of all mercies. The mercy source is not me. When I show mercy to those around me, that is God's mercy being channeled through me. Even in, even in common grace... When you find mercy in our legal system and in other avenues of life, that is simply a mercy that God has pervaded in common grace. It comes from God. He's the source of mercy. Lamentations 3.22 It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. I love how The Old Testament uh, describes the mercies of God in various places. For example in Nehemiah 19 we are told that God's mercies are manifold very different in how they approach in Psalm 25:6 the psalmist sings that God's mercies are tender in Numbers 14:19 Moses declares God's mercies are great time and time again the Bible names his mercies as the multitude of God's tender mercies you think about that every single day the multitude of God's mercies that are renewed every morning. He is the supplier and He is the source of mercies. Thirdly, He is the substance of mercy. Who do we look to for the substance of mercies that has walked across the stage of time, Sunday school class. What's the answer? You know, when a lot of times when you ask questions, the little kids in Sunday school, uh, their answer, no matter what the question is, it's Jesus. Well, hey, this is an easy, it's a no-brainer, guys. Where is the embodiment of God's mercy? Where do we see God's mercy in live action, 3D color class? It's in Jesus. Jesus is the embodiment of mercy. In his earthly ministry we see Jesus' mercies extended to the sick, the blind, the halt, the maimed, the exiled from society, the leprous. We see Him bestow mercy upon the sinful prostitute, the adulterous woman, and the demon possessed. We see His mercies at the cross. When Jesus was being crucified on the cross, and as all of heaven gathered around upon that spectacle of man killing the Creator, and all all of the angels of heaven nervously holding their swords of righteous judgment, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them. Father, hold back the winds of wrath. Wind. Postpone the judgment. Father, forgive them. Oh Jesus is the very embodiment of mercy. Oh, He is that embodiment of God's mercy that, as Micah 7:18 says, "Delighteth in mercy. Have you ever given mercy to someone begrudgingly? I've done this to my kids. I'll let you by with it this time. don't you do it again? Begrudgingly. Didn't really want to give mercy. They really deserved a whooping, but I didn't give it to them. God delights in mercy. Delights in mercy. When the filthy, wretched sinner walks the aisle or kneels in the parking lot or wherever the case may be, and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God delighteth in mercy. He rejoices in mercy so much that the angels of heaven have fruit basket turnover when Jesus is glorified in the dispensing of mercy. God's comfort despite our sin. Mercy is an integral part of the comfort that we have. a comfort in knowing God is a merciful God. Second of all, there is God's comfort despite our sin. Then there's God's comfort in our stresses. Look at verse number 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Tribulation. that, That word tribulation here, it means pressure. It means to squeeze. We could even say it means to stress to the max. To bring it to the breaking point. This word was used to speak of the wine press. You you know what the wine press is? I know all of you probably remember I Love Lucy where she's, she's stepping on the grapes, you know, and I Love Lucy. And oh, that, that, that's the big vat of grapes and she's in there in her bare feet. Ste- that, that's a wine press. And, and this word tribulation is used to To speak of how those grapes are squeezed to bring out that nectar from within. But we find ourselves squeezed and stressed, just like that grape is, just like that olive is. Pressed, squeezed, stressed. That's what that word, verse number four, in verse number four, means. It, It talks about tribulation. Look with me. At verse eight in the same chapter, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. Same word which came to us in Asia that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired of life. Paul is describing uh, that that stress, that tribulation, as something that caused him to even despair of life, to give up on life. Dare I say it? Uh, somewhat of a suicidal uh, a sense to the apostle Paul. I wanted to give up. I wanted to die. That's the kind of stress he's talking about here. Notice first of all, we see a diversity of cares. Notice in verse number four, he said, the God of all comfort, verse number four, who comforteth us in all. See that word all there? That word all in the Greek is a very technical, it's a very Precise word. Listen to the definition of it. It means every, any, as much as, whatsoever, or whosoever. In other words, that little word all technically means all, everything, any care. Any ancient care, any ancient stress, any ancient trouble to any modern occasion, modern difficulty of our present day. Every trial or any trial is fitted for the comforting help of God. This all here is kind of described by James chapter one and verse number two. He said it best. Listen to what James chapter one verse two. "My brethren counted all joy when you fall into divers." temptation not divers but divers different the word divers here it means a mini colored garment Uh, you know Joseph was given that multicolored garment it had different colors in that then we might think of it that way but James is talking about all the different colors and all the different sorts of trials that we encounter in life you know our trials and difficulties can be uh, color coordinated, you know. I mean, you talk about the color green—that's well, money troubles, trials with money. You talk about the color red—that that could be for health. You talk about the color blue for sorrow and depression. I was trying to think of what color to give family problems and and church problems, and it, it just come out plaid. <laughs> it's just all kinds of different colors. But we all have these different, varying. Uh, difficult and different circumstances of trouble. But no matter the color of our squeezing situation, no matter how life is stressing us and pressing us down, God is the God of all comfort. Whatever your need is. No matter how specific your trial is, there is a comfort that fits that. He can come alongside with renewed strength no matter how great or how varied or how specific our trouble. One author explained it this way, there is no tribulation or affliction that the people of God can fall into but that God can and will comfort them therein. No matter how modern it may be, No matter how difficult him, no matter matter how large, no matter how small, God's comfort can be fitted for every squeezing, stressing trial of life. The diversity of cares and then a defining of comfort. Go back and I took special blessing from the wording of this, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Look at that phrase as a whole. It indicates that tribulation, our trouble, our stress, our squeezing is the ground upon which the comfort of God stands. What that means is, if you and I knew nothing of tribulation, of trouble, of pressure, of stress, of difficulty, we would never know God's gracious comfort and strength. You know, so many of us, I included, I included. I pray for, I long for, I expect life's for, a life a, a life free. From discomfort, calamity, suffering, and stress, and if you pray for those things, you got. I just, I, I don't, I don't see how in the world you could pray. God, unload. You know, God, just give me every setback you can possibly. I mean, I've come to the point. Sometimes, what else you got, God? Just throw it my way. I, you know. but there's not a single one of us that would ask God for difficulty. I would. There is no way that I would ask God for health problems or or job problems, or family difficulties, or church problems. I would never ask God for problems at my work. God, just, God I pray that you would, you would send me problems at work. But the truth of the matter is that these are the elements, these elements of pain, heartache, and suffering are the grounds on which we experience the work of God in our life. In our most comfortable situations in life, you know what those are, plenty of money in the bank, fit as a fiddle, no problems in my family, those type things like that, we lose our dependence on God. We lose our desperation for God's intervention. How many times, how many times in your life when there's plenty of money, when you're You've got all the entertainments that you want. You've got no problems with the car. Everything's okay with the family, the wife, the mother-in-law. I mean, the mother-in-law's not even a problem. I, everything's going good. How many times during the best of times in our life do we find ourselves stowing away in our closet and beating our chest saying, God, come into my life. God, to hear my cry. It just doesn't happen. It does not happen. It is when these trials come into our life that we cry out to God. When we cry out to God, when we cry out in our pain, we desperately reach out to God. We not only perceive His response, but we acknowledge and praise Him for it. When do we most praise God? On the other side of a storm. On the other side of stress and difficulty and problems in which He has come and relieved our woes. A while back, I ran into an article, a story about this little girl. A little girl has a neurological disorder which causes her not to feel pain. The girl has never cried out in pain. And because of this, her parents have to constantly Watch over her, because in any kind of situation, just walking through the kitchen, she could burn her hand and not even know it. Realize she could seriously cut herself and bleed to death and not even know she has done it. Why? Because she feels no pain. No pain. In the article, the mother, in a heartbreaking tone, said she had never heard for her child to cry out to her. She'd never heard, had her run to her mother so she could soothe her pain and comfort her. That gives us new perspective on what God brings into our life. The sorrows, the hurts, the squeezings and the pressures of life. Doesn't it? Without suffering, without difficulty, although none of us would ask for it, yet without those things, we would never know the tender comfort of God's intervention we'd never know anything about that there is a God's comfort despite our sin there is God's comfort in our stresses lastly there is God's comfort for our sharing for our sharing look at the latter part of verse number four who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Notice that. God reveals to us in this verse, not only that He is the comforter, that He will comfort His own, but that He reveals to us why we are comforted. It's not just solely for our benefit, for ourselves. It's not, uh, our comfort's not like a family heirloom that we put up In the house. And we remember a jewel of where God comforted us. And you know like family heirlooms. They may not mean much to anybody else. But to us they mean so much. No. God has an intended person for our comfort. That goes beyond our well being. Into the hearts and lives of those around us. Notice first of all. The purpose of comfort. He said in verse number four. That we may be. Able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Notice that He gives us a purpose for our comfort. You know, oftentimes when trouble comes, and our attention is drawn inward. We do a lot of woe is me complex. We do a lot of spiritual navel gazing. But when we are comforted of God, when burdens are lifted from us, it prompts us. To extend that comfort to someone else. When we have been comforted of God, this verse is stating that we are to look to comfort others. To comfort someone else. To carry someone else's burden. To share the comfort with which we have been comforted with someone else. Jesus is our high example of this. In Mark ten forty-five, Jesus said, Even the Son of Man came... Not to be ministered unto, but to minister. and To give his life a ransom for many. The whole reason Jesus came is to die on the cross for his sin. But it wasn't to take in all the time. It was to serve others, to minister to others. This verse clearly teaches us that our divine comfort from God is not solely for our benefit, but it carries with it the responsibility to share that comfort with someone else. When you go through an experience and God comes through in a magnificent way and He comforts your heart, whether by the Word of God, and we're gonna go look at the multitude of ways God can comfort our, 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 our hearts, but when He does that, you have a responsibility to take what you've been comforted with and give it to someone else and share that comfort with someone else God placed you here at this place for a purpose your your trial your difficulty your squeezing and stressing has a purpose and it may well be that on the other side when God addresses your need you carry that comfort and you give it to someone else God uses us I'm not talking about a pastor, a teacher, a preacher. I'm not talking uh, anything like that. I'm talking about every single one of us in every avenue of our lives. When we have been comforted of God, we are to take that comfort and give it to someone else. Notice not only the purpose of our comfort, but the preparation of our comfort. Notice this. Who comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able, that's the purpose, able to comfort them that are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. When we go through tribulation, we need to have our thinking cap on, our notebooks out, and our pencils sharpened. That's one of the things about experiencing God. When I, when I was a Sunday school teacher back in the early 2000s, and God was beginning to work in my life, and, I remember going through experiencing God. And in that Henry Blackaby study, I know poignantly it brings out the truth that in every trial, in every difficulty, in every one of those divine uh, intersections in life, those those fire, he talks a lot about that burning bush experience. When we come to these burning bush experiences in our lives, we need to say this, God, what are you saying to me? Are you speaking to me, Lord? I'm all ears. When you hit the road bumps in life, the first thing you say, not why has this happened, but God, what are you saying? We like to say, why has this happened? Why has this happened to me? Why have I got to have a flat on the freeway? Why why has this got to take place in my life? Instead of saying, right, God, what are you saying to me? Teach me, Lord. When He brings us through the fire, He does so to shape us into instruments of his usage. The life experience that God has seen you through prepares and equips you to minister to other people, either in the body of Christ or outside the body of Christ, to provide that comfort, that same comfort to your brothers and sisters in Christ that you have been comforted with. You know, it may be, well be as simple. Here, here's a scenario. You come in with burdens this morning and difficulties and problems and God somehow crosses intersection with that, divinely orchestrates that and comes across this message. Just random, cross this message of God's comfort. And this message itself, the truth from God's word, it comforts your heart today. And next week you encounter an old friend And it just so happened this week, that old friend is going through one of the darkest times in your life. Guess what you're supposed to do is take the comfort of the Word of God given to you. And you know what I heard this past Sunday that really... How many of you have ever done that? You know what I heard this Sunday that really helped me? There you go. You can have what God comforted me with. That is exactly what Paul is talking about here In in a very common way. We see that all the time in our life experiences. You know, the Apostle Paul is a great example of this in this letter, this very letter of 2 Corinthians to the church at Corinth. In this very book, Paul recounts the sufferings and the stresses that he has experienced. Listen as he recounts them. I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verses 23-23 through 20, uh, 38 I think it's 23 through 38 listen to what he says Paul is speaking about his experience he says in labors more abundantly in stripes above measure stripes means whipping a punishment in prisons more frequent in deaths often meaning almost about to die could have died of the Jews, five times received forty stripes, save one. Thrice I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice left for shipwreck. A night and day I have been in the deep, in journeys, oftens, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You talk about a laundry list of pressure. A laundry list of crushing. A laundry list of unimaginable sufferings that he endured. You and I don't even compare. I mean, be honest with you. I don't think anybody else could pull out their woe is me. You know, we carry our woe is me in our pocket. And we throw it out on people sometimes. Look at, look at all I've been through here. Does it even come close to this? No. Our list do not compare in magnitude we, we can't even hardly fathom what the Apostle Paul has been through. And all these for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And How many of us have found the Apostle's words in the very next chapter to be a wellspring of comfort to our own heart in the most desperate of times? Do you know what Paul followed that list up with in the next chapter? And Jesus said unto me, "My grace is sufficient for thee; for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That is a that is a picture. That is a statement of experience. Paul went through the experience of the, the shipwreck and the beatings and the stonings and, and left for dead and all the care of the churches and all that stress. And he comes through that to say this. Jesus' grace is most sufficient for anything that you'll need. And when you are weak, He's at His strongest. You see, the Apostle Paul is practicing what he's preaching in verse number 4. Practicing what he is preaching. And then last of all, the purpose of comfort, the preparation of comfort, God's preparing us in our difficulty, the provision of comfort. Look at what he says. By the comfort wherewith, notice the last phrase, we ourselves are comforted of God. Are comforted of God. Here in this verse, we are told that we can be the expression of God's comfort to someone else. Many times I've been comforted by the reading of God's Word. Have you not? You, you've been going down through God's Word and you're going through a difficult time and you stumble across, maybe, maybe 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and you come away with that with strength. God comforted your heart that He is, He's able... there's nothing I can go through that He can't endure with me, that when I'm weak, He's strong. And you've been helped and blessed by that. Maybe maybe you've been uh, comforted in times of prayer. I mean, there have been times of prayer in which you've just had heart dealings with God. You just put it all on the table. And somehow through that praying experience, the Holy Spirit draws near and a wellspring of strength is burst through in your heart. And maybe you've gotten help by reflecting on the the promises of God and the character of God. But there have been so many times in my life when the direct comfort of God was permitted to come through the hand or the voice of another person in and around my life. I fear that many times we soak in God's comfort more than we shed God's comfort to someone else. Years ago, at Temple Baptist Church, we had, I I think, one of the best choir directors you could ever have. This man loved God. He he used choir ministry to teach us about worshiping God. It was one of the best classrooms. It was one of the best seminary classes I ever had, and it was for free. And it was Sunday night right before church. We had choir practice. And he would often say that we as worshipers are... To be sponges, not containers. Sponges. Sponges soak in and squeeze out. He said when you sing, you've been soaking in. In choir practice, you've been soaking in uh, through your study and through your uh, walking with God. When you're in that choir, you're not soaking in. You're squeezing out to be a blessing to somebody else. That's the mindset that we are to have. We're to be wrung out when God causes us to soak in His comfort and get the help we need. You're to take that comfort and not store it in a container, but you're to squeeze it out on someone else. And just don't think that, well, if I squeeze this out on somebody else, I'll I'll run out. I won't have any left for myself. What did we just see? He's the God of all comfort. He's the source, the fountainhead. There's plenty of mercies, plenty of comfort to come our way again. Squeeze it out on somebody else. Give it to someone else. Be the voice of God. Be the instrument in God's hands in someone else's life. What a, what a wonderful thing to be used of God. One day, a pastor in Pennsylvania, while calling on a destitute, uh, uh, calling on the destitute in, the, in a city, he met a woman whose depression seemed beyond cure. She opened her heart and poured on to him all of her pent-up sorrows. Wringing her hands, she cried, What shall I do? What shall I do? Oh, what shall I do? The pastor knew exactly what she should do. For he himself had learned the deep lessons of God's comfort. He said to the woman, You cannot do better than to take all your sorrows to Jesus. You must tell Jesus. Suddenly, the woman's face lit up and she said, Yes! She cried. That's it. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. After the encounter, the minister was hearing those echoing words in his mind. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. He went home, pulled a pen and paper, and wrote these words. I must tell Jesus Jesus. I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. He's the God of all comfort. He's the source, the wellspring of all comfort. You have problems of every color of kind, green, red, blue, plaid, bring them to Jesus. Cast them on the Lord, for He cares for you. He is the God of all comfort. Let's stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have not experienced the mercies of God, then you cannot know any other comfort that is available to you. The mercies of God are exemplified all over this world in the fact that God doesn't take out sinners every day are here today and you've never experienced the mercy of God I beg you to come receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior the multitude of His mercies has already followed you all the days of your life to this point come and not only know the mercy of God but know the saving grace of God giving God giving you that which you do not deserve the gift of eternal life a new heart a new desire a new living way he himself giving you himself you come know Jesus as Lord and Savior but whatever you need is you may have suffering beyond what you can possi- what anybody could possibly imagine. Come, He's the God of all comfort. There's plenty of mercy, plenty of comfort in Jesus. You come. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love You. I thank You for the Lord Jesus, the comfort that we've seen in His life, exemplified in the lives of others. Father, thank You. We pray that you, His Holy Spirit would come and give divine comfort to those in this room that desperately need it. God, give comfort, give strength this morning through Your Word, through the Holy Spirit's presence this morning. God, comfort our hearts for Your honor and glory. Now God, use us. Remind us of the responsibility, our comfort, the comfort we've experienced even this morning is to be shared, is to be given to someone else, to comfort them with the comfort which we have been comforted with. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.